Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Winning Streaks, baby. I am your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Manon, for today's episode that is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. But Frank, the Bucks are in a little scrimmage winning streak here. Two games in a row, they beat the Kings 131-123 on Saturday. This was a game that was over at halftime and Bud turned around to Giannis and Chris and said, fellas, chuck a mask on, go throw a line in the lake if you want, catch some bass, play the arcade games because you've done enough for today. Yeah, I think earlier in the week we thought they would not play at all in this game. Yeah. Um, and then they ended up playing and I thought it was interesting. I was kind of just scanning box scores of scrimmages from um, kind of the middle of the week, you know, the, the first scrimmages and, uh, you know, Chris and Giannis playing what, like 21 minutes or something on that order in that game. It didn't seem like any other like star players even like got up to that. Like it was pretty much like 20 minutes seemed like the upper bound. So ironic, of course, that Bud, who you know plays his guys as as few minutes as as anyone, uh, ended up you know giving those guys a little bit little bit longer run in, in the first scrimmage and then uh, pulled it back a little bit in the second one. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I. I, I don't. I don't think it's worth you know digging too deep. And obviously, like the you know the the game the game itself, and and kind of you know taking too much from that. My my general mindset is, you know, whatever we saw from these teams over the course of however many games, sixty five games, whatever the, the various teams played, you know that that is sort of the default of what I expect to see in Orlando until further notice. And, you know, I think we'll need to see more than a couple scrimmages from the Bucks or any other team to, you know, make us feel like anything's really changed. And I think the good news for the Bucks is they've kind of looked a lot like the team that we saw before, you know, the suspension of the season. And um, that's obviously a good thing when you have the best record in basketball that, uh, that you can kind of just continue to just sort of roll the ball out and, and play the type of basketball that, uh, you know, uh, was so successful for you over the course of the regular season. And, and obviously, you know, game to game, we're going to see a lot of variation in terms of, you know, Bucks making shots or missing shots, opponents making shots, missing shots, et cetera. Um, but, you know, at a, at a high level, um, I think, you know, especially I think as we've talked about, the, these first kind of scrimmages and even the first games and the, uh, the seeding games, I imagine, you know, that probably should favor teams like the Bucks, who are very sort of system-oriented, um, you know, who just sort of know know who they are, know how they play, and, you are not really trying to figure things out or try out really dramatically new or different things. Um, so we'll see if that thesis holds up, but uh, you know, again, it was good to see the bucks sort of build a big lead in that first half playing, uh, you know, the guys that you expect to see. And then obviously in the second half, you know, a lot of uh, other stuff happens when you pull guys out and all that. So, um, you know, I don't think it's worth making too much out of any of the results, but uh, obviously I think, 
for the most part, you know, with the exception of Wes Matthews going down at one point in the second half, looked like he was doing okay when he got back to the bench um, after a bit of a collision. But you know, for the most part, injuries and health and all that, that's probably job one getting through these games. And so, um, you know, the first few days of uh, the Bucks, I guess not preseason, scrimmage season, whatever we're calling it, um, has, uh, has been just fine, you know, in the grand scheme of things. No doubt. Wesley Matthews is the notable one. I did ask Bart about this after, and he said that he thinks he was feeling fine and he actually wanted to come back on the floor. So that's, that's a positive. Uh, that's certainly probably foremost in my mind when I'm watching these games and seeing Giannis drive and attack and get fouled as much as he did. He went to the free throw line 13 times. You're just like, all right, man. It's like, he, he can't. He doesn't know how to chill out, but you're just like, all right, the last thing we need here is any type of injury because uh, the Bucks will have one more scrimmage, but we're only a couple of days away here from the the regular season restarting again wins and losses even in those games don't mean a lot necessarily for the Bucks but any type of injury here with the first round uh, it's, it's still so strange to me to think about that with basketball just came back it's like okay the first round of the playoffs is only just a couple of weeks away here so the main point is getting everyone through healthy I thought it was good to see when you look at things that you you want to see I agree with you that when the Bucks come out and dominate a team like Sacramento it's like okay that's what you should do but you don't want to see them look bad or you don't want to see them out of sync with each other. And I think for the most part, the chemistry has looked pretty good. I thought the shooting uh, from the outside was a positive in this game. There were some struggles in game one, but the Bucks go 44%, 20 for 45 from three. The only guys that really struggled, Giannis was 0 for 3. And then DJ Wilson chucked up five threes in 15 minutes and missed them all uh, at the end, which uh, bumped down the percentages a little bit. But there's no doubt, probably the standout performer, I think, over the two games so far has been Brooke Lopez. Another 21 points in this one. Four for six from three again. So this is what we do like to see. If you want to see some things happening, Matt Velasquez tweeted during the game that Bud might need to take him off because he's wasting this hot streak. I'm a little bit weird like that. Sometimes I think funny things like that can happen and you're like, man, I wish you were doing this in the second round uh, rather than right now in the scrimmage games. But Brooke Lopez, 12 for 15 from the field. Seven for nine from three and seven for eight from the free throw line through three games. So just cool 80, 77, 87 shooting splits. Uh, he doesn't look rusty at all. Yeah, and I think that's been the supposition is that, you know, our, our, uh, is, is shooting going to come back slower for teams uh, coming coming back from this long break? And, um, uh, you know, again, these two games we've seen kind of – starts and stops with Brooke during the regular season where we thought maybe he was kind of getting his shot back and then kind of regressed back towards the, not to the actual mean, because we know he's a better shooter than a 29% shooter, but kind of regressed back to where he was uh, at around 29%. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think we've mentioned this after the last game too. I mean, Brooke is a really important guy, obviously defensively, but offensively, um, not just the point shooting, but again, uh, to the extent that he's able to be a multi-dimensional threat for them, uh, I think that's really a, a, a huge weapon to look for. And uh, you know, again, here six out of eight. What was he? Six out of seven or something in the first game. Um, four out of six from three in this one. Five out of six from the line. Uh, yeah, I mean, he looks really good. And um, you know, Robin goes two for two from three in this game. <laughs> so uh, if the, the the Lopez brothers want to, you know, have a uh, red hot, you know, shooting contest between the two of them. I think that would uh, suit Bucks fans just fine uh, because Brooke obviously is, uh, has looked really good. And, um, you know, uh, other guys also making some, some threes today. 
Uh, Wes hitting three out of six. Uh, Chris just one out of one, but Kyle Korver as well, five out of eight from three, uh, 22 points, eight out of 14. And, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation, right, about how is uh, the layoff and then restart going to affect guys of, like, different ages and, you know, our older players going to have a harder time kind of coping with um, the pace of this. Uh, you know, again, if, if you're talking about, like, guys who are playing 35 minutes a night, maybe that's a concern. But I, I don't know. Like, you know, it's not like the lockout season of 2011 where you had lots of back-to-backs and things like that, right? I mean, there's eight seeding games for teams like the Bucks. It's not like they're going to need to, you know, be pressing on the accelerator. It's not like you're going to be playing, like, a bunch of back-to-backs in the playoffs either. Um, so I, I don't know that that concern is big and, you know, for a guy like Kyle, I mean, he's a role player anyway, so he's not playing, you know, big minutes regardless. And, um, but, you know, I think we saw, he had his best game of the season in Denver right before everything stopped. So it's obviously nice to see one of the greatest shooters of all time. Yes, indeed. Does still remember how to shoot it because, uh, certainly that's, that's one of those weapons on a Bucks team, especially, um, you know, we, they shoot a ton of threes, but they don't have necessarily a lot of guys who are great three-point shooters, right? I mean, Chris is a great three-point shooter, um, but, you know, we see with the Lopez brothers, a lot of inconsistency there. Uh, Wes is more of a volume guy than a great three-point shooter. George Hill, I mean, league leader in three-point shooting this year, but, you know, we saw last year, didn't exactly live up to that, especially during the regular season. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to watch. And obviously, if you have a guy like Corver and you find ways to uh, keep him in the game and, and keep playing him. I think, uh, you know, you, you obviously feel a little bit better that you may be able to break out of one of those, you know, cold shooting funks like we saw against the Raptors last year. If you can throw Kyle Korver out there for, you know, some minutes here and there. And I thought it was funny the, the you know, we saw that wrinkle of that really big lineup that played a zone defense <laughs> in, in this, in the second scrimmage and probably maybe not a coincidence that Kyle Korver is out there during that time, because, I think Corver is the one guy who I would expect to to play in the playoffs who can really be targeted uh, defensively. And, you know, we've seen that at various points. Like I think back to that Laker game, I thought he was targeted a number of occasions um, by the Lakers. Uh, I think it was uh, Kent Bazemore saw him uh, in sort of a semi-transition. <laughs> Bazemore went right at him and finished over him for a layup. I think he got an and one on that too. So, yes, obviously Kyle has some limitations at this point in his career. I think he used to be an underrated defender. Now, obviously, he's got some limitations, but, um, you know, with that shooting, you can find ways to throw some wrinkles out there. You know, hey, a little zone defense with two Lopez brothers. I mean, uh, you know, that, that, would be the, that would be the what would Nick Nurse do defense, too, I right. guess, right? So maybe some, some curveballs here and there um, if that lets you kind of get away with, uh, you know, playing some junk ball defense to keep a guy like Corver out there who can shoot the lights out. Um, you know, that might be something that's interesting. And, hey. I'm I'm happy to see Bud experimenting a little bit here in a scrimmage, even if uh, you know, let's say that's not going to be necessarily a thing we see a lot from Bucks moving forward. All right, Frank, we're going to talk about Rock Auto now. You heard me say that my dad had some car problems last week. Well, he he hasn't fixed them, and I told him to go to RockAuto.com. I dropped the key under the car the other day. It rolled under the car. It was covered in oil. I I don't know what's going on, but he needs to go to Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers, and they've been doing so for 20-plus years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. 
Go to rockauto.com right now and see of all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Yeah, it was pretty funny post game because Robin Lopez was asked about that uh, that big lineup and playing next to Brook, and Robin really never says anything at all. Like you, you're lucky to get a few words out of him, uh, and he said uh, someone asked him whether they'd practiced that before, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we practice it." And then Kyle Corver was asked about that lineup after the game, and he was just like, "Oh man," he's like, "I, I was like, are we really trying this?" He's like, "I've never seen that in my life playing that type of lineup with those two guys out there." He's like, "I didn't know what was going on, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's something you can expect to see moving forward." It was interesting to see Giannis in that situation in the zone playing on the perimeter. It's a, a scary thought, I would imagine, for any ball handling guard to have Giannis there. I think, uh, you know, you'd be a little bit concerned about him in a in a real game with. Uh, foul trouble perhaps, but the positive was that he only picked up two fouls in his, uh, admittedly, only 15 minutes. But I want to ask something uh, to get your opinion on something. So Kyle Korver, because a few people mentioned this. I tweeted this out that Korver was asked about the shooting environment, the feel in the gym, and he was straight away was like, oh, man. He's like, I think it's a shooter's gym. It's dark in there. The, the sight lines are excellent. It's small. He's like, it just feels really comfortable shooting in this gym. And I pointed that out and said, well, listen, to be honest, I think Kyle Corver can shoot in any gym. I don't think that he's going to be too worried about (laughs) shooting anywhere. Uh, But a lot of people started tweeting and saying, well, this is actually kind of concerning because if it's a shooter's gym, the Bucs give up a hell of a lot of threes. And are we just going to have teams teeing off on this Bucs defense? Uh, So uh, it's kind of funny, just the one comment from Kyle Corver, but I guess the anxiety of Bucs fans came through there uh, wondering if uh, it actually is a shooter's gym and is that going to bite bucks in the ass moving forward i mean it's gonna cut both ways right i mean (laughs) they are offensively very dependent on threes and defensively obviously opponents are also very dependent on threes so um as long as it is uh sort of an even thing it probably doesn't you know matter uh, it probably doesn't change a lot um but uh, you know again i mean who knows so uh i think probably the the break and the weirdness of everything probably contributes a little bit to um Maybe teams shoot a little bit worse, but you know, again, if those gyms are um, lend themselves very well to uh, to getting up shots, then then maybe it maybe it doesn't. So um, you know, I, I think maybe some some counteracting forces, and you know, ultimately, it's we're just gonna have to see kind of what happens um, when when these guys get out there. So uh, I, I don't know. I was I was encouraged. Um, you mentioned on the last episode that you know Giannis was a guy that actually shot. Um, notably better on the road from the foul line than at home mm. 67% on the road versus 60% at home. Um, it was encouraging after that three for eight shooting night uh, on in the first scrimmage that he hit 11 out of 13 from the foul line in this one. So obviously he was looking much better uh, towards the end of the regular season, going to that five dribble kind of quicker routine. He stuck with that, uh, which is good to see and not a great first game, you know, scrimmage performance. Good to see kind of some some uh, uh, reversion in that second game. So hopefully that is something because you know certainly as much as we talk about Giannis three point shooting, which has obviously been you know hit or miss, mostly missed here in these first couple of games. Um, you know I I think I think we you know, we've talked about this a lot. I mean obviously he needs to have some baseline of competency from three, 
but um, you know, the free throws are, are the thing that, you know, I mean, he used to be a very good free throw shooter, a very respectable free throw shooter. And uh, you know, you just think about uh, given, you know, when he's going to the line 10 times a game, you know, if he's hitting 60% instead of, you know, 75%, that's, that's 1.5 points. He's leaving on the floor, you know, and the defense isn't doing anything. Right? Like that's just literally just giving those points away because you can't make, make the free ones from, uh, from the line when nobody's defending you. So um, that, that's certainly one of those things that again, uh, scrimmages aren't going to tell a lot of the story there, um, but that's certainly something that uh, is is going to be meaningful because we saw that crop up last year in, in that Raptors series. Free throw shooting was definitely a problem for him in that series, and and obviously with how close some of those games were, um, you know, there's absolutely going to be games where Giannis shooting poorly from the line could certainly swing a, a playoff game one way or the other. Yeah, we do know. I, I must admit, I was thinking about this during the game, watching him shoot the free throws and we know that he's been a guy that his routine has chopped and changed all the time through his career he's trying different things trying to you know i guess find that rhythm he mentioned after the first scrimmage that shooting free throws was the strangest thing for him to get used to we know he was three for eight in that game against san antonio and struggled a little bit so i was pleased to see him go 11 for 13 again as it comes with Giannis's free throw shooting, you just uh, wait and see and see how this tracks. But I, I do think there should be some cause for optimism. If you're talking about a guy that needs a routine, can get a set routine, now he knows this is the experience. This is what you're going to see at the free throw line. It's going to be like this every single night. It doesn't matter whether it's this scrimmage or it's uh, during the NBA finals. It's going to be the same thing. So I think that that uh, could work out to be a positive from him. And only one other thing, uh, from the free throw line. Brooke Lopez, six free throws. We don't see him get to the free throw line that often. When he does, I think it's generally a sign that he's getting different looks. He's getting those uh, post looks. He can use that. It's funny. They, it's, it's, not, it's almost a, a rip-through move, but he's so big that it, it, he actually gets to the free throw line because it's almost like he doesn't need to pull the ball low to rip the ball through. He just spins, gets that shot up, and it's been a pretty effective move for him. So again, as we talk about Lopez's three-point shooting, uh, we've said all season that we like the little bit of variation that's been put in the offense with him uh, getting different touches as well. So I like seeing him at the free throw line. Uh, Marvin Williams as well. Shout out to him. Six rebounds, four assists. I commented on this, but he's just a player that he does, you know, one or two things during the game where you just, uh, you know, you have that look and you just sort of nod your head. You're like, hmm, that was, that was pretty nice. That's a nice play, Marvin. He's just a solid guy, a guy that generally I think is pretty trustworthy out there, which is going to be a big addition again. We've spoke about him a lot. Yeah, I think Marvin, um, you know, it's kind of, again, this topic of uh, we're going to assume that whatever we saw at the end of the season before it got suspended is going to carry over. And I think obviously one of the the main things that happened in the last few weeks before uh, the season was suspended is that Marvin signs the Bucks and then um, pretty quickly takes Ursula Silva's backup four spot. And I think so far what we've seen from Marvin in these games, what we've seen from Ursan in these games, um, we actually saw them playing together at times. Um, I, think we, I think in the second half we saw DJ Wilson, Marvin, and Ursan playing, yeah. to, playing together, which uh, snap a picture of that because you'll never see that uh, in a regular season game probably. But, um, yeah, I think Mar- Marvin's looked pretty, pretty solid here. Um, you know, he scored seven points on four shots the other night. Uh, four assists uh, yeah. against the Kings. Um, had a nice backdoor feed, um, you know, just kind of little things like that. You know, I think uh, was mentioned uh, before that the team went to Orlando. You know, he's really the only guy who hasn't had the benefit of a lot of reps with the with his teammates. 
And so, you know, you can say these scrimmages are actually more important for him, even though he's, you know, a, a well-established veteran in this league, he knows how to play. He knows, you know, the instance of, of, uh, of NBA <laughs> basketball. But um, as far as, you know, again, just getting, you know, a few more reps in the buck system, I think what he played only played nine games, I think uh, prior to, to coming uh, prior, prior to Orlando. So, uh, so he's one of those guys that, that you could say this is actually somewhat meaningful for him to actually play some minutes here and, and try some different things. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say he's definitely a guy that, you know, I look at as, as somebody that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm definitely rooting for to look in sync with his teammates just because uh, he doesn't have that familiarity factor from, from, uh, from the regular season, the way these other guys do. So, uh, yeah, nice to see him looking more or less like you'd expect him to do. Um, and kind of doing, you know, more than just hitting corner threes, which, you know, I think is going to be his main job offensively on this team and obviously playing that kind of consistent defense. So, um, yeah, Marvin, hopefully, uh, you know, he's a guy that stays healthy. And, uh, again, I'm, I'd definitely view him as the guy that, you know, at the backup four spot is, is going to give the Bucks their best chance, um, to, to go a long ways in the playoffs. I uh, spent a lot of time in this podcast talking about three-point shooting. George Hill obviously leading the NBA. He's 0 for 5 so far down in Disney, so he hasn't quite found his shot yet. But he did have 10 assists and only one turnover in 21 minutes. So uh, certainly distributing the ball at a pretty high level there. That's a, that's a high assist number for him for sure. We could probably move, it, move on a little bit here. And Pat Connaughton is in the bubble, so the full squad is there. It didn't take too long. We only had to get through a couple of scrimmage games here. Eric Bledsoe has been practicing. So he looks like he's going to join the team as well, which is obviously a huge plus for this team moving forward. Conan will have to go through uh, his quarantine period here now. But uh, all, all things considered, everyone's healthy right now. Everyone's playing one more scrimmage game left. And now the two guys that weren't there have moved into the bubble. So... Uh, Again, all things considered, uh, you have to say it's a big positive right now for the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, talk about getting through the scrimmages healthy. And, and obviously the, the first thing is getting Bledsoe and Connaughton, the guys who, you know, we don't expect to see in the scrimmages, getting them uh, back with the team and practicing. And, yeah. you know, Bledsoe was, we saw him practice the other day. Um I, I don't know. Has there been any indication whether or not there's a chance he might play in this first game, this first scrimmage? I mean, I, I would say the Bucks probably don't have the same urgency that other teams might have to, you know, reintegrate guys quickly just because they, you know, they can use those eight seeding games to do that. Um, but he's certainly a guy that, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're going to want to get back to, to uh, you know, that normal starting lineup and start to build up, you know, again, just the familiarity, which, you know, I think of all the teams that are in Orlando, obviously the Bucks. Um, probably are one of the more comfortable teams kind of knowing who they are and with their different lineups. But uh, yeah, it would obviously be nice to have Bledsoe uh, in particular back and, and starting. And I, you know, I was looking at the numbers. I was actually, um, uh, and I, I tweeted this out, but um, I, I was pretty surprised. I mean, Dante, we know Dante started um, a fair number of games. Obviously he started when Chris was out, when they you know ran the table, whatever that was seven or eight games with, with Chris out. Um, he started when Bledsoe, uh, was hurt and you know in general it didn't feel like they really they missed a beat um, and I, I was looking at I mean with Dante at point they were I think plus 10 plus 11 points per 100 which you know is the, the typical like you know bucks and it seems like you know pick pick any lineup that's had a, a good number of reps and I think that's around 900 possessions with Dante at point guard um, 
you know, everything always trends toward that like double digit number, which is just speaks to how good this team has been. Um, so that's really good. Not surprisingly, uh, they lose something offensively with Dante at the point uh, and get better defensively. Um, but the starters, interestingly, only, you know, not a ton of, uh, not a ton of, uh, possessions, but 140 some possessions. And they had like a 96 offensive rating or something like that. Like just a terrible offensive rating with Dante starting, uh, with that starting group. And, and again, like, you know, if you go out and, you know, Bledsoe didn't play at all in the seeding games, I'm guessing that number would get dragged up pretty quickly just because there's probably just some poor outlier three-point shooting or something like that dragging you down there um but but again i mean it, it's kind of it, it's sort of one of those things that you know as much as obviously blood so is not you know like the perfect floor spacer yada yada um obviously the starting lineup has been awesome uh and they know each other really well and you know i think the the, the more you can get dante being that disruptive guy off the bench i think obviously you're gonna like the bucks chances better so um so yeah uh dante holding down the fort here uh, in the short term with these scrimmages, but hopefully we'll see blood back soon. All right. One bit of news from around the NBA before we wrap up this episode, Joel Embiid day to day with calf soreness. Uh, Call me shocked. Let's just say that uh, we spoke about guys that potentially you would have some concern about how the four months would treat them coming back in and playing games. Uh, I mean, you know, we don't want to see any injuries for sure, but he was so certainly someone that I had, marked pretty highly that uh, under normal success circumstances, he's always someone to be concerned about. But uh, as far as Philadelphia go, uh, not ideal. Uh, keeping in mind that these regular season games for them do mean something in regards to seeding and who they could potentially see in a maybe really dangerous first round matchup with maybe the Celtics. Yeah. And, and both Embiid and Brett Brown saying they were not concerned about the injury. And, and again, I mean, we're probably a month from, you know, the playoffs at this point, something or actually no less than that, but um, like a few weeks, uh, let's say from, from the playoffs. But uh, I mean, again, just these random muscle injuries with, with a guy like Embiid who, um, you know, has a reputation obviously of kind of maybe not keeping himself in, in the best shape to begin with. Probably not a shock um, that, that, you know, again, we, we've yeah. been worried so much about muscle injuries and, um, you know, soft tissue injuries. Uh, you hope obviously the Bucks can avoid that kind of thing. Um, but again, we'll, we're going to have to see how much of an issue this is. I mean, I mean, you always see some of these types of injuries, but again, just the nature of this, you know, stopping for a few months and then having to restart. Um, it, it's obviously uncharted territory for a lot of these guys. So it will be interesting to kind of monitor that and who else kind of falls into, into that bucket. I mean, you mentioned the Celtics doesn't, seems like Kemba Walker's knee issues, mm-hmm. you know, were not magically resolved by these four months off, which is, you know, probably a, a concerning thing, right? Like the, maybe if that's just going to be a chronic thing. So that that's obviously something kind of to, to monitor moving forward. And um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, again, like every, you know, every game just that the Bucks make it through healthy, I just kind of feel like you dodge a little bit of a bullet um, and uh, you know, we'll hopefully cross our fingers and hopefully continue to do that. Um one thing I, I did find interesting, and I still don't have a good read on this, is, you know, we've talked about it. Like, well, how is Bud going to manage minutes once we get to the seeding games? And I heard, um, I heard an interesting comment from. Uh, it was on Stan Van Gunny was on the Low Post about a week ago, and it, it was a pretty logical thing that I hadn't thought of. I think you know we've talked about it. You know, a team like the Bucks, they, you know, basically they win 
if they win two games or, you know, their magic number is probably what two, I think with six and a half game lead on the Raptors, you know, so Raptor losses plus bucks wins, you know, clinches that, that first seed officially. Um, and, you know, we've talked about like, Oh, well, you know, late in the schedule, you know, are the bucks going to be just resting guys ahead of the playoffs, things like that. Um, and Stan Van Gunny made the point, well, you know, a lot of these teams are probably going to, you know, if, if you're, New Orleans, you're probably, you know, you have to, you, you don't have that luxury. You're going to have to go all out from the start to, to finish probably. Um, but if you're one of these really good teams that don't have as much to play for, you're probably going to take it easier in the first games. And then you might be actually trying to ramp up uh, as you get to the end. So it's more like a preseason type mindset rather than a end of the regular season type mindset, which is something I hadn't really thought of, to be honest. Um, so I think that's going to be an interesting thing from a Bucks perspective, obviously you know, do they take it relatively easier in the first games uh, and, and then, you know, not so much in the last games, I still don't know what the bucks, I mean, (laughs) you know, they're, it's not like, it's not like, Bud is, is, I I mean, I don't think Bud is going to be ramping Giannis up to play 38 minutes a game at any point during the seeding games. So, um, you know, I, I think it'll probably look a lot more like the regular season, um, but, but it's an interesting point, right? I mean, are, are they going to, you know, not dare sort of push guys above 30 minutes, for instance, in those first one or two uh, regular season games? Because, again, they don't want to kind of push down on the throttle too much too soon. I think that's certainly something to be said for that, right, is everybody's sort of paranoid about um, trying to go too fast too soon. And um, uh, interestingly, that's probably something if ever, I mean, if everybody had to do that, that probably helps the Bucks because they've been doing that all season and they don't play their best players a ton of minutes anyway. So um, I don't know if that really hurts the Bucks that much, but certainly just an interesting I th- thought, um, you know, as we kind of think through, especially given that you know, a few teams in the West have real incentives to kind of go all out, go all out from the start, whereas other teams, especially with home court, not really a factor. Um, you know, a lot of teams may, may feel like, hey, we're going to treat this much more like, uh, you know, a, a, a slow ramp up here to to get to the playoffs. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting because I was thinking about that as well. And that sort of ramp up that uh, SVG mentions makes a lot of sense. I also think it's going to be dictated by individual games because you can go into a game and say, all right, well, the plan is to play Giannis and Chris 30 minutes tonight. And then if it's like the, the weekend's game and you get to halftime and you're up by 25 points, then you can say, okay, well, what are we actually going to get out of putting these guys out there and risking some sort of type of accident or, or injury? And then you're like, okay, let's just let's take these guys off. They can play 20 minutes tonight. I mean, there's just, it's all, I don't know why it feels this way. It's probably because the four months off, so the anxiety is heightened around injuries. But remember, I mean, this is the same conversations you have every single season if you're a number one seed. The Bucks had the same conversations last year. And the only game I can remember, I know they played, uh, the Thunder late. It might have been the last game of the season there where they already clinched the 60 wins and, and nobody played at, at all, really, and they lost that game. But, uh, you know, it's, a, it's the same conversations that you're going to have um, in regards to that. But they will get a few days off after this final scrimmage game. So in regards to Bledsoe, there hasn't been any word yet, but the benefit you get if you don't play him tomorrow is you have a, another three days off before the Bucks will play their first game on July 31st. Pelicans tomorrow. I'm very happy about the 7 p.m. tip. It's 10 a.m. my time. It's, it's just perfect. It's going to be perfect time to sit down and watch some basketball. I don't know whether Zion's playing. I'd probably be happy if he wasn't because uh, I don't really 
you know, we spoke all about the the injuries and guys playing too hard and minutes loads. I, I don't know if I need to see Giannis going as aggressively as he no doubt would with Zion standing in front of him. I don't think I need to see that at this point of the Disney bubble tournament. But the Pelicans, 10 a.m., wrap up the scrimmage play and then move on to the uh, the regular season. I think I'm already ready for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I don't. I don't know. It was a little, a little surreal to, for me to to see these games um, over the the weekend still, um, but but pretty fun, you know. Especially the time, just you know, like Saturday, you know, got up got up early with my daughter. Was it like eleven thirty over that, your way? Had that, yeah. Had that game to look forward to, so kind of got you know, I got everything out of the way, and then um, by the time it was over, put my daughter down for a nap. So um, that was uh, it. Was it was nice, nice to kind of time out. Also. Um, I mean, we talked about this a little bit uh, in after the first game, you know, just sort of the, the look and feel of these games. Um, you know, people comparing it to um, – I've, I've, I think the default, like a lot of people like referencing, oh, like, like it has a bit of a summer league feel. And I think we need to – we all need to, like, try to remember how bad summer yeah. league is and how crappy most of the players in summer league are because <laughs> it's like i mean it's fine to say this is like a preseason game but just because you know just because this, the games are happening in uh, on a campus and not you know in in normal arenas doesn't mean it has a summer league vibe in that sense i mean there are still fans in summer league games too right like let's not let's not act like some of the games don't have uh, don't have fans at them or something like that. Like there's actually you know decent crowds at these games, and you know the uh, the smaller gym uh, at UNLV is like you know it's pretty packed and, uh, and everything like that. So uh, I, I don't know. I I feel like we <laughs> like the narrative has sort of been like pre-written for a lot of people, and it's like look, they're not wearing practice jerseys. They're like real NBA players. We're seeing you know the best players actually playing you know, maybe not real, you know, big minutes, but, you know, you're getting 20 minutes from, you know, MVPs and, you know, and, and whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe guys miss some shots. Maybe there's some rustiness there. But uh, for the most part, I mean, this is still very high-level basketball, even if it's not quite obviously what, what we're going to uh, hopefully see in, in a month and certainly like when the playoffs come around. So I, I don't know. It, I, I think it's, it's different for sure, different from the regular season. Um, but uh, it's 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 a different beast from summer league. We need to uh, you know let's, let's stop making the summer league comparison. Yeah, but it's July, so uh, <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. It is July, and there are games all day. So that 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 is that is that that is sort of summer league like that. That's for sure. All right, Bucks Pelicans seven p.m. I believe you're going to be able to get that one in the same place you've been getting Bucks.com. They'll be streaming it there. Jim and Zora have been doing. A pretty good job. I think they got on top of the replays over the the action uh, issue that they had in game one. I thought they did a good job for game two, but it's going to be fun. Last scrimmage game before the season restarts. So at this stage, I think we anticipate that Giannis and the starters are going to play, but we'll find out more about that after shoot-around tomorrow morning. Frank, appreciate you taking the time this late on a Sunday. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you after the Pelicans game. <laughs>